All right, gang, it is the best Tuesday you've had all week. Welcome to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn, of course, hosting and in studio with my main man, Matt Dixon. All right. Hey, we're uh, getting ready to rock here, and we're into uh, first the question of the day. Matt. Yes. What happened to the Santa Claus rally? Um, Santa Claus slipped off of his sleigh. <laughs> and... <laughs> Evidently, right? Yeah. It's, it's uh... Uh... Just a want want. Um, actually, I have to say that this one, what an interesting story about uh, seeing almost like the seeing a prophecy get, get fulfilled too mm-hmm. quickly. Right? Yeah, it's like, David, are you surprised? So, no. No, uh, we, we I think about we talked this about this last week, didn't we? We, we, we kind of hinted at it. We we suggested that the markets had a lot of mixed data that suggested maybe it was not time to signal the all clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you recall, the Federal Reserve a week or so ago was saying, uh, and Jerome Powell was in a in a conference, and mm-hmm. he said, you know, we think a soft landing may still be possible. Yep, okay. he gave us some optimism, and we think maybe we're we're getting close to where we don't have to keep. He didn't really say this; he just said he thinks the soft landing is possible. And people uh, implied into that, well, maybe we're done with interest rate hikes, and that that's sort of an all clear for the markets. Mm-hmm. And then there was this pretty strong few days of move up. Yeah. Well, we have not. It, it, we we kind of hit the numbers that were initially projected, where people said. Well, and this keep in mind the S and P five hundred started the year over forty eight hundred. Mm-hmm. It troughed below thirty five hundred. Okay, so that's a more than thirteen hundred point move for the year down. So it was down over thirty percent, I think, at one point. Right. And you know today it's down like seventeen, eighteen percent year to date, including the more recent last four days, where basically since last Thursday we've been on a slide. Mm-hmm. What happened last Thursday? It's not a data point, or I'm sorry, it's not a. It, it wasn't like a news announcement that changed things. It was just interesting because the markets, the, in the middle of the day, the S and P 500 crossed 4100 to like 4100.51. Yeah, pulls back and then proceeds to start to roll over and go down. And and folks are kind of scratching their head. And now the narrative shifted to, well, people at Morgan Stanley started this saying, well, 4,100 was their call for this rally. Mm -hmm. And we hit it. And they thought it'd be between now and the end of the year. And there's still a few people that said, well, maybe 4,400 by the end of the year. But you know who those people are? Those people are the ones that were calling 4,400 back in like February, March going, well, I'm going to stick to my guns for the year. Mm -hmm. Everybody else has been revising. Okay. So the markets hit 4100 and that was the fulfilled prophecy. And now what? Now it's rolling back over. And and now people are saying, well we were already talking about having a rough first quarter. Mhm. So maybe we just start clawing that first quarter in right now. There's a lot of talk about recession that's looming in the mix, right? Yep. And it, it's weighing on investor mm-hmm. sentiment. I will continue to say this on air uh I believe that in the end, we're going to discover we're in a recession right now. Like mm-hmm. we've been in a recession. It's, we're, I think because we just finished an election cycle, there's been a concerted effort to try to obfuscate that. Yeah. Okay? I can't no figure one... this one out other than my, my suspicion and trust level with a lot of, of media sources is compromised because 
and we've talked about this on this program before, right? The, the compromise is that it's gener- ad revenue is what feeds them, mm-hmm. which means there's this appeal to an audience. So the news isn't just news. It is a mechanism to attract an audience. Mm-hmm. This program is a mechanism to attract an audience, right? We have talked about that before that I don't, let me be really clear to you guys listening. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Matt and I work in a financial services firm where we provide investment advice for customers. We also do financial planning and insurance and a host of other services for people and they pay us. Yeah. Right? We have some skin in this game. Right? So when we come on this program and say what's going on out there, uh, yeah. So what are we selling? Okay. Well, we're selling advice generically. We're, we're also, to those of you that are do-it-yourselfers, I'm not selling it to you. Mm-hmm. Okay? I will give you what we know, uh, much of it, because... You're going to do it yourself anyway. I'd rather you do it well. The people that want to hire us go, I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do it. I don't have time to do it. Right? I don't want to do it for whatever the reason. And I need somebody that I think is competent, that that I trust, that I like, that I can partner with. And I think the other piece of that is one day I might not be able to do it. Right. And sometimes that's what it is too. Maybe yeah. you're, maybe you're a DIYer, but you're married. And you're good at it, right? Yeah. Right. And your spouse is not. You're like, look, I want somebody else involved because if I'm not here to do this, I need then somebody what? else to help hand the keys mm-hmm. to the store over. Yep. Right. So there are lots of reasons for it, but here's the, here's the magic. I'm willing to come right out and tell you what our, what our angle is. Yeah. Right. That that's I'm not obfuscating what we're trying to do. I'm the opposite. I'm trying to disclose the why and the how. I find the mainstream media in many cases doesn't work that way. They just appeal to an audience, yeah, which can, gives me trust issues. Yeah, wouldn't times. that be awesome though if they did just come out and say it? We are here to instill fear because if you're afraid, you're going to tune in. You're going to listen. Yeah. Then I'd be like, well, at least you're honest about it. Yeah. I will say I think the quality of life for me may have just gone up a tick because Why is that? On my phone, my smartphone which plugs me into the world, not always a good thing but nevertheless a necessary thing mm-hmm. in my line of work. Because I don't have a lot of other good resources that will push data to me. Mm-hmm. I have used Yahoo Finance. Okay. Yahoo is not even subtle about their belief system in the stories that they write, right? I mean, they don't even try to claim to be down the middle. Mm-hmm. They, they just come at it from, uh, as, and, and I, I get to say this, by the way, when I say they lean really hard left, the reason I say this is because I was a journalism guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like my degree was, yeah, in was in journalism. Say your major is in journalism. And so we talked a lot about journalistic bias and so forth, and I, look at the intentional use of word selection in certain topics that isn't present in others. Mm-hmm. And I can absolutely confirm that that is by design to lead the witness. Yeah. Okay, so that's just how that works. Why is it my quality of life better? Because I went in and basically turned off the notifications for virtually everything that they offer with the exception of 
the like global like price news alerts now. and stuff. Yeah, well, global news. Sure. The price alerts I still get, and then the global mm-hmm. headline news. Because it turns out so the you're stuff in the United better. States. Yeah, I already am. Right, I'm getting fewer notifications. First of all. And everything that was domestic was all about uh, basically you could falls into like three things. Mm-hmm. It's either Elon Musk is bad, Donald Trump is bad, or Republicans are bad. Yeah, and that's been the angle of right? a lot of these news media outlets for a really long time. Right, and and the the truth of the matter is, um, I kind of punt on those. I'm like Donald Trump is a former president. You know what's like, really it's weird that we are still really focused on that. Yeah, I was. I took a trip to a big city recently, and mm-hmm. there was a billboard that was near a hotel. And the headline news was from a local newspaper, and it did exactly what you're talking about. It's sending you a thematic message of, like, here's the language that, you know, is pushing an agenda. And I just can't imagine living in that environment. Like, we're here in Roseburg, right? We don't see that mm-hmm. necessarily as much here, but if you're living in it, that would be just incredibly hard, I feel like, to have anything but that viewpoint because yeah. it's being thrown at you from every street corner. Right. And here's the irony. There would be people listening right now, especially if, if I pointed those three things out from Yahoo News and your blood pressure goes up because you're like something about Trump, Elon Musk, or the Republican Party. Yeah, those go, are triggering well, first words. of all, I didn't say that that was my team. Nope, you didn't. Okay, but I just didn't. the words themselves. But those words evoke in people's minds how they their ideology and how they align. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like, check yourself right now. Did you just do that? Right? If you're like, yeah, that's my people, or I hate those people. Careful, okay, because the narrative that you get, I don't think you know anybody. I don't. I mean, first of all, Republican isn't people. Um, the party is not necessarily what the definition of Republican is either. And it's a spectrum, right? There's hundreds of people mm-hmm. in the party, too. So that isn't it fair any more than it's fair to say I hear people that uh, will you know, try to say good, bad or otherwise about the other side of the aisle, the Democrat side of the aisle, mm-hmm. which around the parts we live, that's the minority group. Right. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you that there are plenty of things the Democrat Party stands for. That are good things, right? Mm-hmm. So let us let us not be foolish and throw the baby out with the bathwater when we do our analysis. So all of this to to suggest that the news cycle, which has this major narrative push to it, also you need to be aware that that pushes the markets. Why do you care about this? I want to know, David. Good. So I'm going to make you stick around, and we're going to talk about the way the narrative has been driving the market and how the market is actually dancing to that tune right now. Mm. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. We're uh, stoked to have you joining us on uh, my favorite Tuesday I've had all week. Oh, yeah, mine too. Right? So uh, Dave Littlejohn in studio today with... Matt Dixon. And remember, if you want to get caught up on these things, I'll pitch the podcast at you. It's a, And also, in the interest of full disclosure, because we're talking about that kind of thing today, right? What's the angle? Uh, we have this whole radio program available as a podcast, including previous radio programs, if you want to check out whether or not we have evolved with the times, right? Mm-hmm. But I have to send you to our webpage, huh? wink, yeah. wink, nudge, right? That has all this other information that talks about how cool we are. So you can go to littlejohnfs.com. 
and you can you can grab podcasts and so those of you that have a commute or a plane flight coming up or something great opportunity to either we can put you to sleep or we can keep you awake mm-hmm. so matt yes we were talking at the break as we came to break about how the markets well we're talking a little bit about the news cycle yeah. right talk about how the news tends to sell a lot more these days than it used to they really there's do. some there's some editorial component to that because mm-hmm. it's trying to attract viewership right right um, and you kind of talked about how that news cycle might be driving the narrative right now mm-hmm. as to what's happening in the market so well, how do you, where is there like a correlation here that you see or correlation might be a little um hard because mm-hmm. this is this is pretty soft anecdotal data here okay like i can't go give you the, the hard here's the evidence yeah, yeah right but let's just think this through for a minute sure okay uh what happens largely is over the long term investing tends to play out a lot like the numbers would suggest mm-hmm. okay now there are times when the market gets ahead of itself right uh, you like see pricing it, too much in, you mean? Well, like I'm trying to forecast like, too much. I'm thinking even in the numbers. Like there, there was a season when we would come on this program, and I would say you can't invest in Tesla. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any money. Right. Right. And people would say, well, it makes money. So well, it's, it makes it spends more than it makes. That's mm-hmm. what I could have said. But people are like, but its rate of growth, it's gonna outpace. The growth will eventually outpace the the spend and then they'll be making money and that was what investors were banking on and so it used to have no price to earnings ratio now it has a price to earnings ratio but then you see a really high price it does really high uh but but the idea is is it growing at a pace where those numbers will begin to make sense Mm -hmm. right so what is an investor willing to pay for a dollar of earnings well if those earnings are growing at a hundred percent Mm-hmm. every year and they're doubling annually that's going to go up really fast right you know so a company goes from 100 million to several billion to trillions in 10 years you go that's radical growth mm-hmm. okay well i mean that's growth in market and they're cap, having the a price in a, went to billions too right right and those investors are pricing in a lot of the unknowns surrounding in tesla right like i think i just saw that they released their first electric semi-truck i, th- I read like, something like that recently right. too so i mean how much of their sales revenue is going to be based on that in the future investors are trying to price that exactly in. we're trying yeah. to always handicap and figure out what the future earnings are worth today mm-hmm. okay so the idea though is that those numbers sometimes investors are speculating or they're, mm-hmm. they're betting on the future and they're trying to take their best guess at what the future will bring but then you have other companies that are a lot more mature and you're sort of betting on their current investment cycle right Mm-hmm. I, and and we could have said like two years ago. And by the way, none of these are recommendations. What I'm sharing these are just stock stories. But let's say two years ago, uh, 2020 hits, travel collapses, the stock of Boeing as a company collapses. Mm-hmm. Boeing makes airplanes, right? Right. Uh, it falls below $100 a share today. It's trading at like 180 or 190 dollars yeah. a share. Uh, it's been over 400 before, so it's been all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. Well. Recent announcement: United Airlines is probably buying a hundred seven eighty sevens from Boeing. That's billions of dollars, right? Right, a hundred aircraft at you know hundreds of millions of pieces is big money. Mm-hmm. So, if that's the case, I don't know if they're hundreds of millions. They're expensive though, right? I mean, these right. are not like you know, oh, it's two million dollars for a seven eighty seven. No, tens of millions. They're expensive. Mm-hmm. So, 
so you look at that and then go, well, now the market's pricing in future revenue of building 100 planes, mm -hmm. right? Plus additional orders and maybe even additional new aircraft that get engineered in the future. And there's defense contracts and other things. And the market's got to figure all that out. But it's less of an uncertainty than Tesla was two years ago, mm -hmm. right? Although now everybody goes, oh, Tesla was a no-brainer. You should have bought it. Everybody knows. Look. Yeah. Well, hindsight's we really 2020, isn't yeah. it? Total benefit of hindsight on that one. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, that's the challenge of investing. The numbers tend to play out over the long run. You can, they can, but they're not a guarantee. They can get out of whack because, you know, the market favors different things over time. The question is, why does it favor it? And mm. that's where I think this narrative concept comes from. Because let's be honest, you know. There's a little bit of a, a prom court going on in the stock market. Hmm. What do you mean by that? There's a popularity contest. Yeah? Sure. Investors only hear about so many things. I mean, how many hundreds, how many thousands of stocks are out there? Oh, there's so many stocks. Right? Yeah. And then there's mutual funds in way more configurations mm -hmm. than there are stocks. Right. And you're saying that only a few of these companies are really getting the headline news i will tell you right now that if we pulled a list of the 500 stocks in the s p 500 it's like 507 mm -hmm. stocks right yeah, if, we, like, if we pulled that list out i'll bet you there's a hundred stocks on that list you've never heard of yeah it's true right 20 percent of the largest companies in the s p 500 or, you know in in the country arguably. are comprised of like four or five stocks well no they're like the i'm saying that there's a hundred stocks out of there we've never heard of them oh okay yeah Right, which means that there's a lot of undiscovered stuff out there. Mm -hmm. Then what drives some stocks so well? Popularity. They, they yeah, win the popularity comes, right. contest. Yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, there may be companies and way better I than think Amazon, it, but you've right. never heard of them. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think, like you said, it does go back. I mean, Tesla is a perfect example of this, right? Mm -hmm. Like. Everyone was like, I'll just buy Tesla. There's good news surrounding it, and we like Elon Musk. How many times did someone buy Tesla just because of Elon? Right. Like or if you now, take how Elon many times out, are people selling Tesla just because of Elon? Right. Right? Which that, to me, is another issue. By the side note, you know, red flag, when did Elon Musk become the public enemy? When the media decided they wanted to turn on him. Well, or when people that didn't need information out about them needed mm -hmm. to keep it from coming out because That's... Twitter stopped being a lockbox. Right. right. Yeah, he opened up the box. <laughs> yeah, he opened Pandora's... Recently, too, within let... the last week or so. Yeah, he let that sink in. Oh, my like, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Like, here's news on the elections and how it was affected by Twitter directly. And then everyone's like, ooh. And here's the thing. I don't even know that that's true. Right. But. Right? I can't, I can't verify that it's true. Uh, and I have to be very careful about taking data fitting, right? And saying, right. like, well, because I want that, you know, I, you know, it benefits my belief structure. Therefore, mm -hmm. I'm more likely to accept it as accurate. Right. That doesn't make it real. Have we seen the Twitter files? Right. Like, uh, have, yeah. have we read through them? I, I think well, they're available now. And are we now, sure but... that they're not deep fakes themselves? Right. Right. We have How some real you... credibility issues these days. Exactly. <laughs> what can what can someone believe anymore? Yeah. So, I do think though that this is where like the numbers of companies, hopefully, are pretty reliable. 
mm-hmm. right? And 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 financial reporting, you mean? They like, tend to be right. It's a fairly audited industry, and so mm-hmm. forth. Uh, has fraud occurred? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And so, uh, so if you find yourself saying, "Well, you know, it's all just a gamble," and I would go, "Well, by that rationale, everything, everything is, a, is gamble. a gamble." Yep. Right. I mean, it's all just a gamble. Well, you know, going to the grocery store is not a gamble. Sure, it is. You could have gone to a different store. It could have cost more or less. What if you didn't buy this? What if you bought somebody else? Yeah, it's just a gamble. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, I, I, you know, I think we're... It's flawed logic, really. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just call it how it is. I, I agree. So if we think about the narrative that comes up in news cycles, I believe some of this comes up in Wall Street, too. And there are counter-narratives, and there are uh, contrarians that will go against the narrative. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that you see these themes emerge... Uh, where a group of hedge funds all want to start buying the same stock or selling the same stock. Right, and then it's like, oh, well, the news is actually you own a ton of it, and if everyone can get behind your article saying that this is a great buy, you're going to drive the price up, and the hedge fund managers are going to make more money. Yeah. I mean, mean, there's some of it, we as investors shouldn't have to know about this, but it's useful to be aware that it exists, mm-hmm. right? The concept of the pump and dump. Right. And I feel like that's where the public has to be really careful, right? You read this article and you, oh, this is the next best thing. Well, what's well, the motive behind them saying it's, that? It's what makes trading so difficult, mm-hmm. right? One of the things that makes trading the market hard is that um, my very jaded perspective is that there are institutions that have access to data or effectively access to inside information, the equivalent Mm -hmm. thereof, that's not available to you. So I think you're at a significant disadvantage to those people when it comes to trading. Right. Okay. Um, Some people are able to trade and be relatively successful because they're capable of sort of just getting on the wave and riding it. Right. So they're not they're small enough that they get absorbed in a bigger trade. They kind Mm -hmm. of just move around with the currents and and they're not getting real big positions. And so they don't get too hurt too often by maintaining their position sizing and so forth. Let me tell you something. That is hard work. It really is. And I mean, it's very, very labor intensive work, like not labor, like digging a ditch, Mm -hmm. but I mean, like mental focus. Yeah, it, it requires this tremendous mental focus to stay on top of that because you're fighting computers and yep. other people in real time. This is the way I look at it. You've got a bat over 500 when you're doing that, right? Like, sure, it, it, sure. On average, right? Like you, you've got to be right more than you're wrong. Well, and or your winning percentage has to be insane, right? Like, I yeah. win one in ten times. When I win, I won a hundred to one. Exactly. Okay, like your the odds have to play out where the frequency of your wins creates such a windfall that it justifies playing the game. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about trading, not necessarily Correct. investing. I want listeners to differentiate and, and the two And trading, here. I think you can get me to do more of a, an analog with gambling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? I think investing shouldn't be gambling. And it, it, right. it actually, that them, they kind of get my hackles up when you say, oh, you're just gambling. Because mm-hmm. I get, I go, well, this is... Like redefining words, mm-hmm. like no gambling. The odds are actually against you. 
Yeah, right? if the, I give... the house has the favorable odds when you're gambling, and you know that going into it, you're trying to outgame the odds. Right, David. If I give you ten thousand dollars in thirty years, am I really gambling? You know what I mean? Probably not. Probably not. And, and the thing is, if you if you start with ten thousand dollars in thirty years and end up with less than ten thousand dollars, tracking the economy at large, mm-hmm. you should still have more purchasing power. You making investment decisions than if you didn't, right? I mean, if if everything is worth less in thirty years, mm-hmm. then ten thousand dollars. If it's worth five, then I would expect houses to be cut in half, and I would expect mm-hmm. cars to be cut in half. I would expect right deflation to have eaten everything away. Mm-hmm. If you have followed sound investment principles, mm-hmm. okay, because you shouldn't have been. Give me a couple on one stock. Yeah, give me a couple sound wrong. investing principles. Okay. I want to know what are some basic rules that investors can follow to not get burned. Really okay, bad. so I'm going to I'm going to start with the con- sound investment principles. Mm-hmm. Okay, the first one is keep listening after the break. Oh, <laughs> you did them dirty, David. <laughs> when we come back, We'll unpack some investment principles okay. for you. That and more, but we got to take this break first. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. What's happening, my favorite listeners? Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon. And Matt. Yes. You first remember, guys, podcast, littlejohnfs.com. Super. Stealth sell for our own organization. Said nobody. It's overtly obvious. We get it. Um, we, you, you are, you're going to peg me on this, mm-hmm. and I'm going to roll with it. Okay. Your question was investment principles. Yeah. For the for the listener out there that's like, hey, I don't want to fall off, you know, and, and lose my way. How do I stay on track? Give me some guidelines to help me make sound investment. All right. Decisions. So we're going to talk about the generic, tough to mess this up stuff. Okay. Yeah. And we're also going to remember part of this was in the conversation about how investing shouldn't be gambling. Okay. Mm-hmm. So gambling is all about when the odds, you know, what does the gambler do in Vegas? Right. One, they guess and hope that they beat the odds. The professional gambler, and they do exist tries to manipulate their behavior and understand when the odds can be tipped in their favor mm-hmm. and they try to use that advantage to take the house. Yep. So as investors, what we're going to talk about is how do we improve our odds? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the first thing is we don't bet the farm on any one thing. Okay? How about we don't do that and we also don't invest in things that don't have value. I like that. I want you to unpack that for our listener more because I really like what you just said there. Mm-hmm. What do what do you mean so our listener understands I'll give, that? I'll give one example. Okay. You could use many, but I'm going to use um, cryptocurrency okay. as an example here, right? Mm-hmm. So when you buy into uh, cryptocurrency, and we're not going to name names, but mm-hmm. does that cryptocurrency... Is it backed by any specific value? Does is is there value behind what you're buying? Right, like if you were to buy a stock, 
you mm-hmm. have part ownership of that company. Right. The company has value. The company has assets. Yes. If the company goes under, well, there's... Aha. So let me see if I can unpack this a little further. And I want to introduce our listeners to a term that you might have heard it before, mm-hmm. but maybe not. And then you can like use it at the dinner table and sound clever. Okay. The concept of blue sky. Have you ever heard of this term before? Yeah. Unpack it for me, though. So You're going to do a better job. Blue sky is the intangible value of a company. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say that you wanted to buy... I don't know. Here's a fun one because it's it's a it's a big branded company, Nike. Okay. Okay. We know that we're Oregonians, and so the Nikes, we get it, right? So we know the story. So Nike is a shoe company, and they have the assets of their buildings, and their infrastructure, and then mm-hmm. they also have intellectual property, right? So they have patent protection on certain fabrics and building techniques and so forth, but then they have. They their brand the itself, yeah. the swoosh, and all of the effort that has gone into associating that with sports and college teams and professional teams and Olympics and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. So now, how do you value the brand of Nike? Well, we know it's a lot, right? Like, say Nike wanted to sell the rights to the swoosh. Yeah, we know it's a lot. And the, the question, though, is... How does one value it? There are ways it's that people... what someone's willing to pay for. Yeah, I mean, there's formulas and things where people can say, well, it's this, right? Mm-hmm. And what that is is a justification for a price. Mm-hmm. The value itself is really intangible. I mean, the swoosh is a picture, mm-hmm. right? It's protected by copyright law, so mm-hmm. that gives it some value. But who cares about a picture? But that's the blue sky part of the value, Mm -hmm. right? It's this intangible value, but it's still there, Mm -hmm. right? All of that effort has been built in. Right. David, would you pay $10 to own the rights to that swoosh? Sure. Right. Right. Unless it was, had never existed before showing up today and buying the swoosh. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it probably doesn't really speak to what our company does. So why the swoosh, right? But because it's been utilized to create value Mm -hmm. now blue sky value has been created exactly okay so that i think was the big argument around cryptocurrency was that well there's this value justification because look at all these people that have computers or mining systems that are doing these computational work to produce and curate a blockchain that makes tokens of crypto for for cryptocurrency right it creates Mm -hmm. these tokens or these ntfs or whatever nfts right uh all of these different components so work went into it. People paid for electricity and other mm-hmm. things. So there was work associated with it. And, and what people said was, well, that work represents value. And that value is associated with the token that we're talking about in crypto. What would you say to that person? I would say, like anything, it's a supply and demand effect. Mm-hmm. And that value is in the eyes of the purchaser and seller. Mm-hmm. Supply and demand and where they meet. And what we just saw was a massive stripping of demand. And things that strip demand away are not always tangible either. It could simply be a fear of a different opportunity or a need somewhere else. Or it could be a regulatory change. We saw China say, no Mm -hmm. more Bitcoin. And so that impacts the number of people willing to buy Mm -hmm. or sell. 
and that can change the the, the value. And so I have, I often I don't often say it this way. I should say, but but this is an interesting way to consider it. What's the difference between blue sky and vapor? Right, mm. blue sky is value that people are willing to pay for, mm-hmm. but vapor. Is what you're people assuming. telling you there's yeah. value, but it never materializes. Yes, <laughs> and I think a lot of cryptocurrencies out there, you have to really justify mm-hmm. a value, and so there may be a lot more vapor and a lot less blue sky than you realize. So back to your original principle: yeah. buy things with value. If you're not speculating and you're trying to not gamble, mm-hmm. I think that that's really good advice. Like I don't know anybody that says go invest in crypto. Mm-hmm. What they say is take a small portion of your investable assets and try and, and hit a home speculate run. in that little yeah. little it, the the shallow end of the pond over there on the edge. There you go. Okay. So the next one, my goodness. We we really this one's so easy, I'll say it because I want to get to the third one. You don't put all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. We know the story of diversification forever. Right? Okay. We don't necessarily know the other side of the story of diversification. Now, that one, I will make you hang out for. Hmm. So stick around. We'll take our last break. And when we come back, you want to know the other side of diversification. Is it possible that we could diversify too much? Maybe Hmm. or something else entirely. Okay. That when we come back. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. Hey gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show, where I guess Domino's Pizza is also in Winston. Yeah. You had to be there for the break if you're wondering where that came from. We're going to unpack some of that right now. Okay, I'm okay. ready. Uh, actually, it's less about Domino's, which that's not a recommendation. In fact, the the whole context over the break is... But do you recommend their pizza, David? I like their pizza on occasion. It's hard you know? to beat a pepperoni pizza, right? Uh, you know, Domino's has this way of delivering... Um, Pretty quick and pretty affordable. So there's a place for it. That crust is good. I do like the Getting crust. Getting crust right is the hardest part of a pizza, in my opinion. Yeah, well... It, it's, but if you lather it with enough butter and garlic... I would say the garlic butter can make all of it taste good. Right? Whatever their their garlic butter, I think, is actually laced with something addictive, and I'm, I'm not sure it's legal. So <laughs> I'm, I'm saying it's like... Could I could I like order some garlic sauce, dipping sauce, like garlic butter from Domino's, and oh. then I don't care what else comes with it. Don't like, be giving them the million dollar idea on air. It's just all I need. Like I'm, yeah. this, so this random dude shows up and he uh, orders like thirty of these things and some breadsticks. Mm-hmm. Didn't make sense. I want it for later. Okay, um, <laughs> we digress. We do. Uh, we talked about diversification, the whole don't put your eggs in one basket thing. Mm-hmm. If you're joining us after the break, grab the podcast from our webpage, littlejohnfs.com. Right. The thing that I think people miss about diversification is on its face, it seems so simple, but it's like anything. If you start to peel the layers back, you realize there's more to it. Let me, let me, I think I know where you're going with this, David. So let me give you an example. Is this diversification? I buy Chevron. I buy Texaco, I buy Exxon, and I buy an oil discovery company. Am I diversified? I okay. bought five different companies. So you are diversified in terms of having multiple holdings. Mm-hmm. But the 
protective benefit that you're going to get is relatively low. And why is that? It's because they're all really, really highly correlated. Mm. And what's gonna what that means is they're closely related to each other. They're in the same industry and the same spectrum. And you can have companies that aren't in the same industry, but they still walk and talk really similarly, mm -hmm. right? Say so like you can go look at uh, the fictional example here, be like Sherwin Williams Paint, and the Lowe's, Lowe's, yeah. right? And that like, well, they're both kind of home improvement, mm -hmm. and so they they they're going to have a lot of things in common because the same things that drive one industry up drives the other industry right. up, okay? Uh, so, you know, or, or like, you know, paint and paint brushes. Okay. You mm -hmm. know, snow right. skis and snow pants. Like they're, they're pretty linked together. Right. right. But snow skis and golf clubs. Okay. Now we're talking different seasonality here. Right. Both sports equipment. So they're still correlated, but at least there's some seasonal differences. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the whole idea of diversification is that you don't want to be exposed to concentrated risk. Mm -hmm. And if you don't spread yourself into different types of investments, you know, Chevron and Texaco and so forth, they're so similar that if something happens to the energy sector, it hits all of them. Yeah. So if the price of oil goes to $20 a barrel. They all like, suffer. Yeah. Right. And so therein lies one of the challenges is energy companies, they're highly related. So you need to have uncorrelated or, or low correlation or non-correlated, right? in order to improve your outcomes. The other is at some point you can water things down, right? If you get super diversified, uh, then you, you know, you build your own mutual fund. Like if you're buying stocks, you have two stocks, you don't have that diversified. You have 20 stocks or 25, you're actually statistically pretty diversified at that mm -hmm. point. Uh, but you go to 2000 stocks, you're not way more diversified, but what you are is watered down. You basically just own the index at that point, right? You can. You yeah. can. This this is one of the, the secrets, by the way, for investors out there. Pay attention to your mutual funds. And if you own super giant mega funds. Like funds of funds. Funds of funds. Uh, but here's the, here's the thing to look for. Go look for something called the R squared value. Ooh, we're getting into the fun stuff. Yep. And it's the letter R and the little two, like R squared, or sometimes mm -hmm. R dash and the word squared. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a statistical measure. And what it's trying to do is indicate how much of an investment's movement can be explained by its benchmark. Okay. So if it benchmarks against the S&P 500 and has an R squared value of 0.97, 97% of the movement can be explained by the behavior of the S&P 500. Mm. Okay? Which means you're only 3% or so different from the index. Right. Well, at that point, you are statistically the index. Mhm. Mm so, why not why spend extra money for a mutual fund when that can, is going to be a phantom index? Right, when you can just go buy the index if it's cheaper, right? Yeah. Because all things created equal, lower operating expenses are the advantage to you, right? You're carrying mm -hmm. less weight. If it's if an, all things are created equal. Right. That's the big if. And that's the trick here is that not all things are created equal. They are not. Okay. Now, the bigger, like, like here's the thing. Success begets a challenge in the investment world. Okay. If you are a super successful investment manager, mm -hmm. you're going to attract more people because they're going to want to participate in the success. 
you attract more people, you're going to get more dollars thrown at you. If you get mm -hmm. more dollars to invest, you're going to run out of places to invest. And then you're going to have to start picking, instead of your best ideas, your second best ideas, third best ideas, until you run out of places to go and you either stop letting people in. Mm -hmm. You say, like, all right, no more people. Just, just the friends I already have. No new friends. Or you start to water down the results and start to look more and more and more like an index fund. Right. So <laughs> I think a good way so, to explain so that. So success waters it down over time. Right. Yeah. I think a good way to explain that is say you're a mega corp, right? And mm -hmm. you're doing the investing and you have a hundred billion dollars mm -hmm. and you want to run a portfolio that has 12 positions. If There's you, not 12. Yeah. You'd, you'd you would well, own like big chunks of 12 companies. So when you trade it, you're affecting your own price. Yeah. 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 That's you, what you I think we're trying to go for here. You become such a force that you move the price of the stock if you try to buy or sell Right. Something. And so you're saying as the company continues to get bigger, they have to look for more places to put the you money. Have, yeah. So that you're not playing well, the, yourself when you're trading. There are structural rules to, right. owning, to, to mutual funds. You can mm -hmm. only own so much of a stock because a fund is not supposed to be a controlling shareholder of a company. Exactly. Right? And, and that's on purpose, right? Because there's rules around you don't, this stuff. You don't have another company become the owner of a company. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, then it's a holding company, and that's not a mutual fund anymore. Right. So there are limitations to how much it's allowed to own. And so at some point, you hit those limitations. You got to pivot and find something else. And hence why these mutual funds can get so massive. They can. Yeah. Right? So, anyhow, you, you get the idea that. So other ideas to keep you safe. We talked about diversification and correlation. Mm -hmm. The other one is that you want to look at your time horizon, mm -hmm. right? Over 30 years, uh, you can probably get away with being pretty aggressive if you got a 20, 30 year time horizon. Mm -hmm. The shorter your time horizon though, the less recovery time you have available. Right. Okay. So you start to talk about mixing higher risk and lower risk things together. Mm. Okay, so those these are all basic principles. Um, here's another one that's a basic principle. Again, all things created equal. Lower costs tend to be better. Mm -hmm. Don't don't look at that exclusively. It needs to be in context, right? Um, other things that I I think investors should look at would be. But before you go to this next thing. You 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 hit this risk thing and then you moved on to the next one. I oh. want to go back to it for just a second. <laughs> this is Matt's pet. Oh, go yeah. for it. So what if someone is like, wait, 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 David, I don't know what my risk is and I need help trying to figure that out, right? Like Right. How do I go about establishing risk? What is there a tool out there that I can use? Uh, there's a million tools. And if you go to our webpage, it's there too, right? That we've got we have a risk tool if you ever want to take it's it's really cool it's an academic test okay mm -hmm. and here's really what you're trying to figure out how much upside am i shooting for but how much downside am i willing to tolerate too so mm -hmm. like if the markets go down 10% is that going to stress you out or are you going to be able to just sort of wait for the markets to recover are you going to lose sleep yeah. right if the mark what if the markets go down 30% Mm -hmm. Right. Hey, I had a hundred thousand dollars. Now I have seventy thousand dollars. I'm freaking out. I got to call somebody. Mm -hmm. Versus, well, that stinks. But you know what? In a year or two, it'll be back. We'll just move on. Very different approach, right there. So, okay. littlejohnfs.com. Yep. And you okay. can go go look under the um, invest area, and there's a section that says what's my risk number. It's at okay. the bottom of the page right now. Okay. 
Um, and you, if you click on that risk number, it will actually help you get a score. Um, but I, 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 here's, here's another one investment-wise, right? Okay. Understand the impact of taxes, okay? This will be the last one I leave you with because we're short on time. But um, that long-term capital gains tend to be better than short-term. Not exclusively because there could be strategic reasons to mm -hmm. take short-term gains. But long-term tends to be cheaper, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like, like long-term should be cheaper no than short-term capital yeah. gains. Tax deferral tends to be a good idea, but it does change the tax typically from a capital gain to an income tax. Then you have to compare rates, which one's going to be better. So tax management is just as important. The money you keep is as important as the money you make. Mm, right? That's good stuff. I think if you follow those basic tenets of try to keep more and give away less, try to um, mitigate risk through effective diversification, trying to have uh, an appropriate time horizon, and then mixing together varying levels of risk, that should give you some pretty good fundamentals of blocking and tackling so that you are not gambling nearly as much as you are investing. David, in those were great pieces of advice, but what if someone wants more advice that is centered around their needs specifically? What do they do? How do they, they get call. Yes. Us! All right. So Little John Financial Services, it's www.littlejohnfs.com. The number is 541-375-0898. We're out of time. Until next time, this has been David Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.